Oh, it is another star-studded Rock Stops Here podcast with some big, big, big names. Ric Flair. Woo! Actually, that's all I would have to do is just go, woo, and you would know who he is. 16-time WWE World Champion. Known to so many as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Oh, he could cut a promo like nobody's business. A tactician, so good in the ring. In-ring performer, out of the ring. And boy, oh boy, hard living, party. Just love to have a good time. A great sense of humor. Almost died a couple of years ago. Made it out of that, made it through that. Now is loving life. He's got some new forms of uh, streams, revenue coming in, and he's bigger and better than ever before. And also the great Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann, the former Washington Redskins quarterback, the NFL MVP, uh, several times a year, pro bowler. He played in the CFL. He was an all-star there. He was at Notre Dame. When he went to Notre Dame, the wherewithal, the foresight, his name was Joe Thiesman out of New Jersey, and he changed his name to Theisman to rhyme with Heisman, trying to get that Heisman trophy. Uh, so Joe Theisman and Ric Flair back-to-back on the uh, on the rock stops here on the red carpet at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tampa. Uh, I was there when they had the first official day of sports betting being legalized in the state of Florida, New Era in Florida gaming. The, the uh, roulette wheel, wheel uh, craps, you know, throwing the dice, craps dice. Uh, had a lot of big celebrities there. And so here's Ric Flair. Woo! And then Joe Theismann. So here we go. Talking about that day and, and a few things on what they got going on in their lives. Then let me, let, me, let me fill you in on some great stories on the back end with Theismann, with Ric Flair, and just enjoy. So here he is, Nature Boy, Ric Flair. What do you play these days, Ric? Uh, when I do play, I like blackjack. But I, I don't play very much anymore. What does this mean for you here? I know you love living down in that Channel Side area. You're a Tampa guy. What do you think about all this, uh, Nature Boy? It's fantastic, and just an opportunity to hang out with some big name people. And this is big time. This is Las Vegas, or, or big, as big as LA or New York or anything else. This is big time. And, and for you, you're having so much success with Tyson, your the strain, and everything that you're doing. But you, yeah. How's everything going? Everything's great, thank you, and I'm healthy, so that, that's the key. <laughs> Can you give us a woo? Woo! Thank you, Rick. You're the man. Thank you so much. All right, now Joe. Uh, Joe. Woo! <laughs> All right, we've, we're still here on the red carpet. Oh my God, he is—he is too much. Uh, so Joe Theismann, the former Redskin Notre Dame quarterback, broadcaster. He's here. Uh, Doug Flutie is behind him. Here we go. The great Joe Theismann. How you doing, Joe? What do you think about how big sports gambling has gotten? You know, it's 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 everywhere, and it's it's really it's been like the last three or four years. It's just taken off. I think eventually we're going to wind up seeing it in stadiums. To be honest with you, I think any handheld device you have in a stadium will probably give you access to different types of odds, different types of prop bets, different types of gambling and um, it's become a part of society it's 
it's almost getting to a point where it's hard to get your arms around it because it's become so big. And that's the thing you have to be careful of. But here at the Hard Rock, what they've done is wonderful. Florida's always been a very progressive state dealing with all kinds of social issues and everything that they've done. And, and so here we are at the Hard Rock having a chance to open up some games, um, craps, roulette, and uh, the games that weren't here before. So now it's, it's, it's part of society and you try and get a handle on it. That's the biggest thing. How, you're sweet to ask. Thank you so much. It's good. Thank you. No, I. I can do everything except jump, and I don't tend on jumping on anything. So I feel good, but thank you very much. I'm able to do it all. I'm able to do almost anything, which is great. Thanks for asking. Joe, you look fantastic. Are you still, uh, I know you did the broadcasting, you did games, things like that. What are you doing these days? Today, nowadays, I do motivational speeches for different companies, different charities, and I travel around the country and do that. Um, also, hang out with my grandnieces and my grandkids, and. Uh, a lot of, you know, most of us really wind up on a golf course eventually. That's basically what we wound up doing. But uh, it's the kind of stuff, you, you know, you, you just getting a chance to do something like this. Of course, being here at the Hard Rock is great. And having a chance to see something introduced that's new uh, in the casino industry here. But to get a chance to be with these guys and reminisce and talk about the old days. Had dinner last night with Rod Woodson and, and Tim and Eddie. And so it's fun to be around them. Awesome. You look fantastic, man. Thanks a lot, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joe, and thank you to Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Woo! Yeah, so here's the deal. It was a star-studded event. Hulk Hogan, Tino Martinez, Jimmy Hart, Mouth of the South, Eddie George, Wade Boggs, Doug Flutie, I could keep going on and on and on and on, but the 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 amount of fans that were there at Hard Rock, Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tampa, they were behind the like velvet rope that they had around some of the different tables with the celebrities, you know, for the first roll of craps or the dice and you know the the roulette wheel going around or placing their bet, you know, everything legal now in Florida. Um, the fans, woo, woo, woo. They just keep doing it the whole time, whole time. And Flair, he loves it. He loves it. Now, Jimmy Hart is going to be on an upcoming podcast. And I know Jimmy Hart. I really like Jimmy Hart. He's always around, usually uh, Hogan. Um, he was also the manager for the Nasty Boys, Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags. WWF Tag Team World Champions. And I've known Knobs for quite a few years now. Great guy. Great guy. Character. Oh, my God. And I saw Jimmy outside of a Publix. I also saw him at a Steak and Shake. I ran into him. I'm running into him here and there. Or if I go into Clearwater Beach with my wife, or I might stop in a Hogan's hang, or, you know, a Hogan's Beach shop. There's also a Hogan's Hangout. It's a bar right on Mandalay Avenue right there in uh, Clearwater Beach. But anyway, I've run into uh, Jimmy Hart. I've had him on the show, blah, blah, blah. And he was just telling me, he's like, Rick loves, he loves the limelight. He loves being the nature boy. And Hulk Hogan was on, I forget which podcast it was. It might have been Joe Rogan's podcast. 
And he said that, you know, Ric Flair likes living the gimmick 24-7. He's like, well, I, I can't live it 24-7. You know, with the bandana and brother and, and he, you know, I'm going to come run a wild on you. Not when he's in his house. You know, when he's in his house, he shuts down, he takes the bandana off. You know, he's Terry Bollea. But Flair is Ric Flair. He's Rick stinking Flair. And so going back about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago now, maybe, my friend Brian Nobbs had a pro wrestling school called the Nastyville School of Wrestling. And it wasn't far from my house. It was in this old gym. And he had a ring. And he had guys, young guys that wanted to be pro wrestlers and they were paying him to train. And he was great. He was great with the guys. He showed them moves, how to take bumps, work the ropes. Uh, one day it was going to be chair shots. Another day trash cans. And I used to go into this gym all the time and I would see what was going on. And I had a newfound respect for pro wrestling because when you see on TV, when you see WWE or you see AEW or at the time Hogan was in TNA, Total Nonstop Action, and Flair was in that for a while and Dixie Carter ran the show. And that was the time that I was hanging around those guys. And, you know, they make it look easy. You know, the stuff about it being fake and all this. Let me tell you something, man. So there was a one-legged one -legged wrestler trainer named Steve Chamberlain. He is a good man. He's from Massachusetts. He's got the accent. And he was in a motorcycle accident years ago. And he's, he has one leg because of that accident. And he does not let that stop him at all. And he started this foundation about that time, a good 10 years ago, called uh, 50 Legs. His goal was to give out 50 legs for those, especially kids, that they might have had an accident and they lose their leg, a limb, and he does it right, and the right doctors, they fit it right, the leg is good, and the rehab, and that way they can walk and run and everything else. So Steve Chamberlain was a one-legged wrestler and there was another one-legged wrestler out there and Steve Chamberlain thought that he was getting signed to WWE and WWE supposedly made a mistake and they had signed Steve or he was all set to go and then it was like no 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 oh you're you're not the one-legged one-legged wrestler this other guy Zach the guy was like 165 pounds Steve is built like a brick shit house he's great knows all the moves and they told him sorry man we signed the wrong we made a mistake we didn't double check we didn't know there was two one-legged wrestlers and so he never recovered from that but he you know he knew all the moves and this and that so he was one of the trainers at nastyville school of wrestling and the why, reason why i'm bringing this up uh knobs was my friend and he goes listen i talked to i'm gonna have nature boy come to my school in clearwater and I said, oh, could I do an interview? He goes, let me ask him. And he did. And he goes, yep, Rick said it was okay. So I went there with my camera guy. And I did a nice sit-down interview with Rick Flair. And he was couldn't have been nicer. And I watched him. 
And and he, you know, Nobbs had maybe eight or nine guys that were in his school for that particular time. And here comes Ric Flair. Shows up, puts on the boots, the Rick, the RF, Ric Flair, all this. He came out and he started him doing like jumping jacks, push-ups. And one of the guys, Lance, came from the Midwest. And his his father drove him here. I think they drove here. And he wasn't going to go to college. He wanted to be a pro wrestler. And so he had Brian Nobbs, Nastyville School of Wrestling, train him. He got to meet Hulk Hogan, got in the ring with Hulk Hogan. One day Hogan came by, talked to the wrestlers, did a few things with them. Here comes Ric Flair. And I remember I was there the whole time, watched it. Ric Flair's like, I don't do this. Only for my friends, close friends. Nastyville. There's this Nastyville School of Wrestling. And I remember at the time he was retired, but he really wasn't retired. And he was doing that. He was flipping around and off the ropes. And I mean, it was impressive. And all the surgeries that he had had and this and that. And one of the guys, Lance, couldn't do 20 push-ups. And he started yelling at him. And he's like, how old are you? 19, you can't do 20 push-ups? When I come back here in two months, you better do more than 20 push-ups. And he had them running and, and, and all this. And Flair was always known for his great cardio. And it was just really cool to see. I went in the bathroom and he was in there. He was looking in the mirror. He's looking in the mirror and he put some water and he, he slicked back his hair a little bit and he looked and he came out. And he looked great. And I'm like, he's Ric Flair, man. Rick frickin' Flair training and teaching these guys. And when I did do the interview with him, and I said, what are you going to do tonight? He goes, I'm going to be at the Hard Rock at the VIP room with, I'm, you know, jet flying, limousine riding, you know, woo! And I was like, he's incredible, man. So over the years, you know, I've seen him here or there. And so at that time... Hogan got a deal to bring his friends and do a pro wrestling couple of shows in Australia. And I remember, and it was right around the time I was hanging around those guys. And uh, I remember he got on the phone with me. I mean, I think uh, Nobbs put him on the phone with me. And, and Hulk started busting my chops. He's like, you're hanging around him awful lot. What are you guys, butt buddies now? Are you hanging around him a lot? Like just busting on me. Like I was one of the guys. And also another time they were filming, I think it was like A-E, A-N-E, A-N-E network. They were doing like kind of like a documentary type long piece on Hulk Hogan. And they were shooting, videotaping, filming a segment uh, at this Nastyville School of Wrestling in the ring. And Hogan saw me come in and I was in the back talking with uh, Nobbs. And Nobbs later told me this. And Hogan looked at Nobbs, saw me, and wanted to see if I was one of the boys. Or I wasn't like just a media guy or this and that. And he looked at him and he gave him a nod. And so Nobbs came over to me and said, let's lock up. And what locking up is, you put your hands, lock them behind the guy's neck. If you've ever noticed, watch a pro wrestling match. When they're introduced, 
They're walking around the ring, all this stuff with the crowd, da-da-da. And now, boom, 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 the bell ring. Here we go. They're starting to match. They'll lock up. And I remember Nobbs teaching me the lockup. And so I did it with Nobbs. And Hogan nodded his approval. Like, I was okay. I was cool. Yeah, yeah. There was another another day when uh, Steve Chamberlain was just in the ring, the room where there was a ring. And it was in a mid, mid, midweek, midday. Nobody else was there. He was either on his phone or doing something with paperwork. And I got in that ring, and I'm like, I just want to see what it feels like. Now, I didn't take a hit by anybody. I didn't have anybody do anything. I just, I jumped up, and I went down to what they call take a bump. And I was like, oh! And, and Steve turned around. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I just wanted to take a bump and just see how it felt. How did it feel? It hurt! That ring, it hurt. And I didn't even get hit. There was another time when I was hanging around those guys and Nobbs was coming in to do a TV show, my TV show. He did it numerous times. And I said, hey, when you come in, do a gimmick, do a, do a thing with me, man. Um, bring a garbage can, you know, hit me over the, hit, hit, hit me over the head with it. And Nobbs was really good. He's been around all the time. And he, and he goes, you don't want to get hit with a garbage can, man. You know? How about I do a pie pie, pie tin or a pie, one of those things that they, a cookie sheet, a cookie sheet. I'll bring in a cookie sheet. I'll hit you really hard. It won't hurt you, but it'll make a good sound for TV. I said, all right. So he brings in this cookie sheet. And uh, I said, what I'll do is I'll, we'll start interviewing you. And then I'll say, you know, I heard that wrestling is fake. You know, and the guy told me it really is fake. And you can get pissed off. So we'll stand up and you nail me over the head with the cookie sheet. And uh, this is Bay News 9, a regular live show 11 o'clock. It's so much fun. And uh, I got up. I said, oh, wrestling is fake. You know, pro wrestling's fake, knobs. Everything's predetermined. You got writers, script writers. Come on, man. Oh, you think it's fake? You think it's fake? I went to stand up. All it was was a cookie sheet. It did make a good sound, too, for audio. He hit me. I swear to God, I was almost dazed. I couldn't believe how hard he hit me. It was a cookie sheet, though. And I was fine. Later, he's like, that was good. You, uh, you sold it. Yeah, he said. And I pretended like I went woozy and down in the chair, you know? It was so much fun, man. So much fun. There was another time at Nastyville School of Wrestling in Clearwater. They were shooting a, a reality show, uh, Midget Wrestlers, Micro Midget Wrestling. And uh, Hogan was there. Nobbs was there. And uh, one, of the, one of the so-called small people, I guess you're not supposed to say midgets now, but they used to call themselves Micro Midget Wrestling. And he was doing this thing where he had a suitcase and he was leaving. He was pissed, supposed to be pissed off and he was leaving the ring and he was leaving the gym. And he went out, went out, did it, boom, cut. And then I heard the producer say, all right, do it again. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be a reality show. What do you mean you're doing it again? You know? <laughs> and then Nobbs, <laughs> part of the deal of this reality show with, with the midget wrestlers is he was traveling 
traveling around the country with him. Well, he did take a couple of road trips with him in the van. It was a van or a bus. And, like, they didn't go far, like, to Georgia. And then Hogan would come in. He would fly in, and then he would be in the segment because he knew this guy, Johnny, Johnny Green, who has since passed. He had a real raspy voice and a mohawk. He was a good dude. Great guy. He has since passed. And, uh... And Nobbs told me one time we were having a beer. He's like, "You don't know what it's like traveling in that, you know, sleeping in that bus with the with the with the little guys, and you wake up in the middle of the night and you see all these little, he's like, it freaks you out, you know." <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, and so then, okay, so you speed up past eight nine years, this this this, and then I heard that Flair was living in Tampa, downtown Tampa. He really was. I thought he was just staying there temporarily. No. And so I've seen him. I've run into him. You know, there's a beautiful building right next to Amelie Arena. We, we'll call it Vinnickville down there because Jeff Vinnick, the owner of the Lightning, has transformed the Water Street area. And it's absolutely gorgeous. A lot of young people. A lot of young people with money. I don't get it. Where's the money come from? And they're all mingling about. And when you go to a lightning game, they're there. And so I was walking from the parking garage to Emily. And I start hearing, woo! People driving in their car, stopping, woo! Ladies crossing the street. Remember two African-American ladies, and they're going, woo! Nature boy, woo! And I'm like, here he is! And he's coming right towards me. And he's walking, and I said, Rick! And, and uh, you know, he everybody stops him, man. And I said, Rick, you know, and he just kept walking. And I said, hey, I'm friends with Nobbs. Nastyville School of Wrestling, you were there a couple years ago, Brian Nobbs. And once I said Brian Nobbs, Nastyville School of Wrestling, he stopped and he smiled. And he stuck out his hand. I said, can I get a picture, man? Love what you're doing now. Boom, boom, took a picture. There was no time to do the podcast. I mean, he was on his way. Everybody thinks he was going to the lightning game. He might have been going later that night. He had that blue suit, the blue sport coat on and all the colors. No, he's heading to his spot. Five o'clock somewhere. And uh, But he almost died. I mean, I, I, I'm serious. A couple of years back, before COVID, 2017... It was so bad. The the disease that he had was called what I, I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, alcoholic cardiomyopathy. You know, he drank every day. He drank every single day. He always worked out early in the morning. I always remember this. He was on one of his podcasts. This is when I first started listening to podcasts. His brother-in-law's name is Conrad Thompson. And Conrad Thompson was very successful as a businessman. He married Ric Flair's daughter, but he was also a wrestling historian. And he started a podcast with Ric Flair. I was working at Bright House Sports Network slash Bay News 9. I used to take my dinner break, and I would go you know, locally get something to eat to go, and I'd sit in my car, and I'd listen to Conrad and Ric Flair. And that's when I started listening to podcasts. And then I started transitioning to talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Chris Jericho. I started listening to wrestling podcasts. I'm like, I love this stuff. And uh, But anyway, in 2017, Flair had this 
thing, and they, they tried to remove a piece of his bowel. And in the process, it just went, you know, the whole operation, it went bad. It led to kidney failure. He needed dialysis. He was in a coma for so many days. Uh, Hulk said that he flew there and, and held his hand. And, and, and when he said something to him, he, oh, that, that's what, that, now this is according to Hulk Hogan. And it wasn't on Joe Rogan's podcast. It was, I, I can't remember which podcast. He said he was holding, you know, flares in a coma. They don't give him much time to live. Hogan's at his bedside holding his hand. And he said he said something to him. A wrestling term. And, and, and Ric Flair's eyes opened. And he said, Hulk, Hulk, get me a 12-pack. I think it was a, I don't think it was a six-pack. I think he said a 12-pack. And Flair was like, and, and Hogan's like, well, 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 you know, we're in intensive care. You know, you've been in a coma. Well, well, and he said, get me a six-pack. Give me a 12-pack. And anyway, so anyway, they didn't think that he would make it. He was always known as a workout warrior, man. He works out like crazy. Back in the day when I was hanging around those guys at Nastyville School of Wrestling, X-Pac came, although I know X-Pac and the knobs don't get along. X-Pac was on some show saying something about Macho Man or something, and I, they didn't take kindly to that. I don't know the whole details. X-Pac was pretty cool to me. He was actually living with Steve, I think, for a little, Chamberlain for a little stretch there. Um, he's got a very success, successful podcast. I remember one time we were outside this place, little place, and he's like, where do you live, Rock? Where do you live? I said, I live far from here. I don't live that far from here. I'm thinking, oh, my God, is he going to ask if he needs a place to crash? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, oh, and I, I said to X-Pac, I said, man, Rick was here last week teaching the kids. You know, I said, his cardio is amazing. He's, he goes, he always had great cardio. And and Rick Flair said that no matter how waste, you know, how hungover he was, he, every single day, he worked out in the morning. That's the key. Work out in the morning. Because if you wait until later in the day, you're not going to get it done. And to this day, I try to stick to that. Try to get it done early. Because later in the day, you're not going to get it done. Isn't it funny how I remember that? My wife says, you remember stuff like that? You don't remember stuff that I'm telling you? But anyway. And so... Uh, and so there was that, and then I saw him one more time, and then here he was on the red carpet. But again, he was, he he was moving and grooving. So it was kind of cool. So I say thank you very much, even for a couple of minutes. Ric Flair, he's doing so well. The, the the medical, the marijuana with the strain with with Tyson. Uh, he's endorsing so many products. He's making a lot. He's good. He lives in downtown Tampa, where he can walk to his. It's a beautiful restaurant bar. Um, he's right on the water. They call it the, the river walk and right behind the Marriott waterside hotel, right near Amelie arena where they have concerts and the Tampa Bay lightning play. He's got his boat, his red boat. And it even says, woo. And it's docked right there. And he goes out on his boat. He's got his drinks, beers. I think he's only, I, 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 he might have been only doing Mc, McUltra. Like he's not pounding the heavy stuff but anyway and he even said man he's like look i tried i know i'm uh, the doctor i could possibly die but i want to go out like this this is me 
He's like Sinatra. I'm going to go out like this. This is how I want to go. I, I, he would love to probably be love going out, dying in a ring, drinking, partying. That's that's him. But when you do get up close to him, it's like, wow, he, and he, you know, he almost died. He looks, he's 74. So I interview Ric Flair, and next up, here comes Joe Theismann. And I went and I Googled, and I was like, Joe Theismann is 74. Joe Theismann, his, he doesn't even have a wrinkle. I mean, teeth are white, great skin, no wrinkles. And I had to look at him, he's like 74. He looks like he's 55. And really, really sharp. And I didn't even remember until right before I was recording this podcast. I'm like, I know I've interviewed him before. And it's just amazing. I had to jog my memory. I'm like, oh, yeah, probably 25 years ago or so, something like that, at a Super Bowl in Tampa at the convention center. He came out of a bathroom. We're in the hallway. We were walking. I said, Joe, Rock Riley, Tampa, Bay News 9, local sportscaster. Got a few minutes? Sure. And went on to interview him about God knows what. And then he was really cool here. And then I also talked to him a little bit afterwards. I got another picture because uh, there was no time on the red carpet. And, uh, you know, and there was a woman, you probably heard it right there, where she said, how's your leg? She was a uh, f- photographer, a, a, a journalist for Hard Rock. They have uh, they have a video department. And they have like a newspaper, digital newspaper, whatever. And she was the reporter. And she said, how's your leg? And he goes, thank you for asking. It was a brutal. You all probably remember it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see the former Kansas City Chiefs quarterbacks. Yeah. There was one recently. I don't want to see those. I don't. Do you? But Joe Theismann, I only remember because I was a kid. I grew up in New Jersey. And I remember he was going for the Heisman Trophy. He went to Notre Dame because we were an Irish Catholic family. My father used to have Notre Dame games on. They'd have these Notre Dame highlights on a Saturday or a weekend. Maybe it was a Sunday morning. And they was, now we moved to further action. It was edited. It was great. It was fast. But my father loved Notre Dame. And uh, so... I little kid, I remember Joe Theismann, and it, I remember him changing his name from Theismann to Theismann. Very smart. I remember him on ESPN for many, many years, doing a lot of games. Uh, he was at NFL Network. He's done Washington Commanders games. Now he's a motivational speaker. I didn't realize he's had a long-term uh, bar and restaurant. I think it's in Alexandria, Virginia, Theismann's Restaurant and Bar. Very, very successful, good personality, confident, not overly, overly cocky. Just very, very, it was kind of cool. So it was, it was cool. Thank you again. I know it was quick, but when you're on the red carpet, man, you got to be moving. You got to be moving and grooving. You can't take a lot of time. So that was kind of cool. But it just is 12 years with the Washington Redskins, NFL, CFL. He won a Super Bowl. He lost a Super Bowl. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame, Notre Dame, NFL MVP, two-time CFL All-Star, Redskins Ring of Honor. And it was 1985 with the Redskins when he had that catastrophic broken leg. But, you know, very, very, very good. And Flair, he's over 50 years in the ring. And still, now I didn't, 
Uh, well, you know, he wanted to do it. He had that match last year. It just, to me, uh, I kind of want to remember you as, you know, woo and nature boy and that that great, great, great Michaels, Shawn Michaels. That's how it ended. That was a WrestleMania in Orlando, and that was great. And the clip's on YouTube. You can see it anywhere. Shawn Michaels looks over at him. Crowd's going crazy. He mimics or mouths what his word, mouth, lips, I love you. And then goes over and boom, the kick to the face and flair goes back and down and out. And there you go. That's how I like to remember it ending. But you know what? Flair still wanted to get out there. He was training like crazy. I think he's still, he's, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you. He did a thing with a, a UFC guy. The other day, and uh, you know, is it a work? Is it a shoot? Pretend like he's punching him, and this and that, and just he loves it. He loves it. It's like my wife kids me. You love what you do. I do love this. Radio, TV, digital, podcast, hosting, reporting, out in the field. Yes, I do. It's in my blood. So anyway, so I hope you had a good Christmas. It was all good here. Very nice, low key family of course christmas eve there was a uh, buccaneer game at raymond james stadium and uh that was fine and just all in all just a really 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 nice holiday and now of course is the new year's eve like i said in the last podcast my wife loves to make sure we all watch that ball drop she would love to do something nice you know but uh, you know that's a new year what about new year's resolutions do you ever do a new year's resolution now my brother patrick for lent again we grew up catholic lent is where you're supposed to give up something for the lord that you love to do. I never, if I tried it when I was a kid, never, never made it through. But my brother, Patrick, he's two years younger than me, still living in New York, Brooklyn. Uh, he would give up like sweets or candy or chocolate as a kid. No TV. This is pre-internet as a kid incredible to this day he probably still does something oh my god so much stronger and mental willpower than i am have and then you know it used to always be like to january 1st i'm going to get back in shape see the good thing is now i do have time so i can go to the gym and i do five days a week i'm not it's not long i know i should be doing cardio i i don't i hit the weights light I'm not going to be trying to see how much I can bench. You know, those days are long gone. There was a former NHL player, Brian Bradley. He was a Tampa Bay Lightning. I think he was actually an all, yeah, he was an all-star. And I remember talking to him not that long ago. And I said, you look good, man. You look like you're staying in shape. And he said that, he's like, I don't go any higher than like 35 pounds. You know, dumbbells. I don't have to, I'm not out to, you know, prove anything, tear anything, strain anything. You know, when you were younger as a guy and you went to the gym or if you're in your high school gym and you got on the bench press, isn't that ridiculous? You're so conscious of, oh, what it's at. Oh, am I only benching a hundred pounds or something? You know, who cares? Who cares? Now that I say that, 
I remember years ago in a, in a Bucks locker room, and I think I remember the great Brad Johnson, Super Bowl winning quarterback who does Big Brad's trick shots now on social media. They're incredible with a basketball, with a football, at a basketball court. It's incredible. And I remember, uh, I think I overheard him or something busting chops about uh, John Gruden could only bench 110 pounds or, you know, Chucky's only benching 110, busting them. But again, that's like in an NFL facility. I'm not out to prove anything. Just to try to stay in shape. But I don't have to have that New Year's resolution. I'm going to get in shape January 1st. And you see like an increase in... in uh, applications or uh, memberships you know and by march they're gone or i'm going to get a dog or a pet and then they turn the pet back in oh my god so anyway listen it's not a long one today it's kind of a kind of a little short one today that's what we got going on so we're doing it a little bit short i actually saw if you made it this this long i actually saw something it's actually been bothering me kind of got to me the last two days it came up on my social media my feed and it was a veterinarian that puts down dogs maybe cats too but especially dogs when it's time for them to they got to go and the owner comes in they make the payment whatever boom and what's the one thing He's done like, oh my God, over 900 or something, putting dogs to sleep. And he's, you know what he said, man? It's actually stayed with me for two days and I've been hugging my dog more now than ever. He said that the biggest misconception is you think that when you take your dog in to be put down, you got to leave. And he said, the one thing that he can see in the eyes of these dogs is they look. They're looking for their owner. That's when they need their owners the most. I I don't know how I could do it, but maybe man up. It's just something I saw the other day, and this guy's speaking from experience. And it's actually been bothering me thinking about it. Like, oh, my God, the poor dogs. When they're going away. Anyway, I don't know why that I ended it like this on that. But maybe if you got a pet, you're going to have to put it down. Maybe think about that. I know how hard that must be. Oh, my God. We had a... Well, you know what? It's enough on that. Enough on that. Listen, I hope you're having a great holiday. Holidays. I know it could be a depressing time of year. but, But, you know, make it through. And let's hope we have a great 2024, man. I'm hoping for big things. Big things. Big things in 2024, and I hope the same for you. Set some goals. Write them down. And start checking them off. Have I done that? No. Then why the hell am I giving you advice? I know. All right, guys. Hey, I'll talk to you next week. I'm going to stop saying that.